Well, last time as we began Acts chapter 4, Peter and John, they've been arrested following their, their act of healing for a crippled beggar. And they stand trial in front of religious leaders who've been threatened by what is in essence a visitation from the Lord. And Peter tells these leaders that the man has been healed in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. No other name under heaven can bring salvation. And, and the leaders, they're standing around and they see this beggar beside Peter and John, a man they've known for years, crippled, and he's standing right beside Peter and John, and they have no response. They, they cannot deny this miracle, and they have no response. So Peter and John, they're warned to stop preaching. And, and the two respond, well, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, make your own judgment. For we cannot stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. Well, these leaders threaten Peter and John again, and then they release them. And today we begin in verse 23. Peter and John, after they are released, they, they go to their own companions and they report everything. Everything that the chief priests and the elders have said, and, and they go to the early church, wherever the, the, the group is meeting. That's where they go. And when the church hears about what has happened, they raise their voices to God with one mind and they say the following. And we're going to read these words of worship as a whole, and then we're going to, to take a minute and dig, dig a little bit deeper. What we're going to read together is the first recorded occurrence of the early church singing what would be the earliest hymn of praise for the Christian church. Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything that is in them. who by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, Why were the nations insolent, arrogant, and the peoples plotting in vain? The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, they were gathered together, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and purpose predestined to occur. Hmm. And now, Lord, look at their threats and grant it to your bondservants to speak your word with all confidence. While you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus. The church is worshiping. The believers raise their voices to God with one mind. They're, they're united in purpose. There's a sublimation of self. There's no, no agendas under the table or on the table. They've come with one mind. And they're singing this hymn for the first time. And recorded, first time recorded for us. The church acknowledges the goodness of God. The greatness of the Lord. Lord, it is you who made the heaven. Lord, you made the earth. You made the sea. In fact, you, you made everything that's in them. The church professes 
the power of God seen in creation. Paul would say later in Colossians chapter 1, he would reference Jesus, the Lord of creation, who binds it all together. It's all in Him. He has dominion over all of it. We read, Lord of all creation, because you have all dominion and authority, Lord, you have said the following by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of David, our father, our ancestor, our forefather, your servant, David, your servant, David, the man after your very own heart. And Luke, the writer of Acts, is telling us in this account of the early church worshiping that David is the one who is the author of what we know to be the second psalm. Psalm 2. And it's not attributed to David, but Luke tells us that David is the author. Why were the nations arrogant and the peoples plotting in vain? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. Scripture is God-breathed. As we read that it's by the, by the word of the Lord, by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of David, this Scripture, this, the church is singing the Word of God. And this is a holy moment of worship. When we, when we pray Scripture, when we look at Scripture, when we sing Scripture, we are singing the very words of God. I think if we even stopped right there and paused for just a moment... Think of the magnitude of that. There is an acknowledgement that nations and kings and rulers, ones who have been created to worship the Lord, but ones who have gone their own way, ones who have strayed, they want to now foolishly set themselves against the Lord and His Christ, His anointed one, His Messiah. That's what the church is, is telling that fact as they worship. And the church goes on to say, For truly in this city they there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, Herod Antipas, the, the wicked Roman tetrarch who, who was responsible for the death of John the Baptist. You may remember that story. You have Pontius Pilate, the, the cowardly Roman governor who knew Jesus was innocent, but afraid of Afraid of rioting, basically. Afraid of public discord, he sentenced Jesus to die. He knew Jesus was innocent. Tried to release Jesus, but afraid of rioting. Well, these two gathered along with the Gentiles, the, the, the pagans there, and the peoples of Israel, which is interesting, but if you remember Israel... What, what does John tell us in John chapter 1 about Jesus and Israel? His own received him not. So you have Herod and Pilate and you've got the Gentiles, you've got Israel who does not recognize Jesus. They have gathered together, they've banded together against the holy servant Jesus. And then we see this. To do whatever your hand, Lord, your hand and purpose predestined to occur. Think about that. We say that God is surprised by nothing. We say that, man, I can't believe that happened. 
whatever that would be, the, the that's of our lives and our weeks. <laughs> but God is not surprised. The Lord's hand of might and strength, the Lord's purpose, the Lord's will has predestined that all that happened to Jesus is all part of the Lord's plan. Whether it be arrogant nations or whether it be wayward religious leaders, the Lord in His sovereignty is still in control. We cannot... Well, your pastor can't get his head around that. (laughs) Maybe you can't, I can't. But Isaiah 55... Isaiah 55, verse 9, tells us this. That the Lord's purposes, His ways, are higher than mankind's ways. Thanks be to God. (laughs) Thanks be to God. Remember, God is a God of glory and a God of power. And the Lord's Messiah, Jesus, in His obedience, has endured suffering and scorn to defeat sin and death and hell. The Lord in His grace provided us forgiveness, forgiveness of the debt of our sin by payment through the shedding of blood of the sacrificial Lamb of God. And that Lamb of God is Jesus. That Lamb of God is Jesus. And the church realizes this fact and 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 continues to worship. And then the church says this. All, you know, you've got all of this with, with Herod and Pontius Pilate, and, and they've all set themselves against you, God. The nations are plotting against you. And Lord, look at their threats. Look at what these rulers and elders and scribes told Peter and John. They were threatened and were told to not utter a word about Jesus. And you know, even today that's the case. Often is the case. There's always going to be those who don't want the name of Jesus spoken because of the inherent power in His name. Lord, grant it to Your bondservants to speak Your Word. To speak Your Word with all confidence. Grant it... Grant, what is it? The Holy Spirit. Grant your Holy Spirit to your church. And the Holy Spirit, if the Holy Spirit, once it's granted to the church, the Holy Spirit grants to the Lord's servants both what to say and the boldness with which to say it. Thanksgiving. I saw a funny meme this week. Thanksgiving, it's a wonderful time to meet with family and to talk politics so you don't have to buy Christmas presents. <laughs> you know, it's, I thought that's kind of humorous. What do you say when family gets together at Thanksgiving? And, and to a greater degree, when we are with people we've known for years who we know that don't know the gospel, what do we say to them? <gasps> We go into freak-out mode. No, the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say and will give you the boldness with which to say it. That's the beautiful thing about relying on the Holy Spirit. Mm. 
And so the church says, grant it to your bondservants to speak your word with all confidence. While you extend your hand to heal, and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Healing. Healing lives such as the, the crippled beggars. And, and signs and wonders will, will take place through the, through the name of your holy servant Jesus. In, in His name, for His glory, the church is giving Jesus the glory for what is happening. And as you've heard me say before, in the name of Jesus, when the church prays in the name of Jesus... They are asking for Jesus to have authority and dominion over all. Over all those who are being healed. Over all those who are being impacted and changed by spirit-given signs and wonders. If you remember, the Spirit listens to the Son. The Spirit glorifies the Son. Jesus reminds us of this as he shares his final supper, his last supper with the disciples, and he tells them about the Holy Spirit. He says in John chapter 16, he says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. And then Jesus says of the Spirit, He says, He will glorify me. For He will take from mine and will disclose it to you. The Spirit will glorify the Son. And, and so the church is singing and, and they, are, they, they see all of this which is taking place. They're not freaking out. They're not cowering. They're not... They call it what it is in all confidence. And look what happens next. Look what happens next. <laughs> when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and, and began to speak the Word of God with boldness. That the church is, is worshiping through prayer and singing and the place where they, are, where they are gathered begins to shake. They're all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they begin to speak the Word of God with boldness. Sounds familiar. Two chapters ago, Acts chapter 2, the, the day of Pentecost has come, and the early church, they're together in one place. They're, 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 they're singing, they're praying, and suddenly a noise like a violent rushing wind comes from heaven. It fills the entire house where they're sitting in tongues which look like fire. They, they appear and they distribute themselves over everyone gathered in that, in that place, 120. And all are filled with the Holy Spirit. They begin to speak with different tongues as the Spirit is giving them the ability to speak out. And we find that they are speaking in the native language. There in Acts 2, the native languages of... Iranians and Iraqis and Turks and Syrians and Palestinians, Egyptians, Libyans, Greeks, Romans who speak Latin, Africans, and what is being spoken? The mighty deeds of God. Woo! And here in Acts chapter 4, 
is also a visitation from the Lord. There's an outpouring over the church. First, the shaking. Maybe it's an earthquake. Maybe it's a wind. Maybe it's something else. But there's shaking and then the filling and then the bold proclamation of the Word of God. The church gathered to praise. The church gathered to pray and look what happened. And that can still be the case in our day. We, we gather to pray. We gather to praise. Come see what happens. We don't know if this is the case, but, but I would think, I mean, people are people wherever you go and whenever you live. And you get, a, you get, more, than one, you get more than one person together, you're going to have, you're going to have some tension. Sometimes people have tension with themselves, but generally when you get more than one person together, two, but boy, when you get three together, there's the propensity to have some hurt feelings. And, and, but what we see here is that this church, they, they, they come together to pray, they come together to praise, they're not distracted by quarrels or bruised egos or hurt feelings. They raise their voices to God as one. It's about the Lord, it's, it's not about them. And you see what happens. And this is how we know. The proof is in the pudding. Look at 32. The congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonged to him was his own, but all things were common property to them. And with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and abundant grace was upon them all. There's testimony. The, the apostles, ones who walked with Jesus and talked with Jesus and beheld Jesus, they are sharing their first-person experiences with Jesus to the church. And there's great power. There's abundant grace. And if there's both great power and abundant grace, then the Holy Spirit is evidently present and is active and has the freedom, don't forget that, has the freedom to work in all of these lives who are present. And keep in mind that there are now thousands who are a part of the church. Woo! 34 tells us, There was not one needy person among them, for all who were owners of land and, or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sale and lay them at the apostles' feet, and they would be distributed to each to the extent that any had need. No one needy. All who are able to contribute do so. And generally, where there is abundant grace... There is graceful abundance. Is this communism? No. Individuals' property rights have not been abolished. There is abundance, and there is a sense of charitable stewardship. It's all out of being led by the Spirit. There's no arm twisting. Again, where there is abundant grace, there is graceful abundance. You know, how appropriate as we celebrate Thanksgiving this week. So what is Scripture saying to us? This is still a model for 21st century. For the 21st century church, it's a, it's a model of worship. 
And it's a model for seeking the Lord. There's the recognition of, of the holiness and the majesty and the authority of God. The God of glory and the God of power. It's actually not unlike what Jesus taught His disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Follows what Jesus said. There's recognition of the Lord and His mighty acts, His holiness, His character, recognition of Him, the mighty acts of creation, the mighty acts of salvation, the cross. Don Hustad made a statement in January of 1994 that has forever impacted me. He made a statement in class that says that said the following. We know God because of His mighty acts as recorded in Scripture. Don Hustad was organist for the Billy Graham crusade for years. But he told us in a class, he said, we know who God is because of His Word recorded, how His Word has recorded His mighty acts. That's how we know. We think about the faithfulness we've seen in Scripture. How is God referred as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? It's the mighty acts of God. Hmm. And see, the church recognizes this. We, we recognize this. This is, why, this is why we look at Bible every week. To be reminded of what God has done in the history of His people. To be with His people. To dwell with His people. And He's given us Jesus to dwell with us. And the church also does this. They recognize who the Lord is and what the Lord has done and is doing. And then they say... Look, Lord, look at the threats all around us. Lord, grant your Holy Spirit to your, to your bond servants, your bond slaves, your disciples, your church, to speak your word with all confidence, despite all the threats around us. While you extend your hand to heal, and signs and wonders take place through the name of, of, of Jesus... There's this realization that the church has enemies. The church has enemies. We, we've spent time this year. Wow, this year. As we've looked at, at the letters of 1 Peter and 2 Peter, and we've seen the threats that face the church. Sometimes it's the outward threats. Sometimes it's the inward hidden threats. But we're not to be a people of fear, are we? We're not to be a people of fear. But despite threats to the church, what does the early church sing and say? Lord, grant your Holy Spirit to your church. Grant us the boldness and the courage to speak your word. We're not to be passive. While you extend your hand to heal. And friends, it's not just physical healing. But it's the most necessary healing of all, the healing, the healing from sin. We all identify, we are all sick due to sin. And the Lord has given us His holy servant Jesus to provide that cure. 
I'm thankful this season for how the Lord has made a way for us to have peace and healing through what Jesus has done. Jesus, who has been given all authority and all dominion, Jesus, who is the head of His church, Jesus, the Lord of glory and the Lord of power.